Hey, it's Crystal McFadden, host of the Crystal Conversations podcast. Before the intro starts, I just wanted to say hello. I am so excited you are listening in on season two. We are really honing in on the focus of resiliency as it relates to mental health. These are professionals, people with their own personal journey. The whole goal is to just pour into you with the education, knowledge, and wisdom that they have to share for your benefit. So grab your notebook, grab a pen, and please don't forget to invite a friend to the conversation. I'm glad you're here, and I can't wait to see you again. Take care. Hi there. Welcome to the Crystal Conversations podcast. My name is Crystal McFadden, and I am welcoming you to this place where conversations of growth and resiliency, faith and falling meet your day-to-day challenges with authentic stories of the struggle, each equipping and encouraging you to own the value of your journey. Thank you for joining this Crystal Conversation. Hello, listeners. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome. If you have been listening to season two, you know that the guests have been absolutely amazing. And you also know that you should probably have your notebook ready and your pen. If you're driving, this is one of those replay sessions because here we are meeting someone who's not in the clinical space. I actually met her in the women veterans space. And she caught my attention, as every United States Marine Corps veteran does, as someone who was outspoken, who was efficient, who knew what leadership was and how to get things done. And I'm always attracted to those people because I feel as though sometimes my brain wants to run all the directions. And so I want to watch what those leaders do and how they make decisions and what's important to them because realistically, they're in there somewhere, even if they don't tell you that they are a veteran. And so this woman stuck out with her beauty and her brains in a way that caught my attention. And she just stayed in the circles and random places. And so it is my honor and a privilege to let you take this time to get to know Miss Anance Net. <laughs> Anance Net. What is going on? <laughs> Annette Nance. Ooh, and I have a full coffee here. So I'm going to take a sip of coffee. Miss Annette Nance, will you please tell our listeners who you are and a little bit about yourself? <laughs> <laughs> will do, Crystal. Well, hello to everyone. And, you know, first I want to say thank you to having me on your podcast. I've seen the guest list and just, you know, um, just the folks that you have really, really great people, especially, you know, folks locally. Um, so hello everyone again. Um, my name is Annette Nance. I am a master's level social worker. I am a Marine Corps veteran, um, also a councilwoman, um, a wife, a mom, business owner. Um, I feel like a lot more things. Um, also I am a commissioner on, uh, the governor's uh, African American Affairs Commission. Um, yeah, and I, I serve on, on a lot of uh, nonprofit boards within the area as well. So th- that is just a list of things. I'm sure I may have forgotten something, but through all those different titles, my end goal is to make sure that I'm bringing about some type of change into programs or into people or just, you know, trying to live a life of purpose on purpose love that. Sometimes we feel like, oh, where do I start on my list? But Mm -hmm. the reality is each one of our listeners sits in a space where one of those pieces of our list resonates and they're like, no way. I didn't realize those two, those two categories could touch. And here you are. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, like we have so many titles, there's so much intersectionality when you think about these different things. Um, and through it all, you know, as I've listed all these different things, you know, when you see me, I'm also a black woman. I also am in, um, in all pieces of my womanhood of who I want to be and what I, you know, with the narrative that I am in creating for myself, that a narrative I'm creating that my children will be able to read and see as they are a part of that story as well. And that's something I also have noticed about you is you and your husband create a really good partnership of support, 
like role sharing, the way that you navigate life, it truly is a partnership of we are going out, we are here to serve, we are for one another. Yeah, he is. Um... <laughs> He's my biggest fan. Um, yes. When I think about <laughs> when I think about our foundation, it is the Lord. So the Lord has guided us to be with one another. The Lord has already laid out this plan that we are a part of the story and it's unfolding before our eyes. Um, it truly has to be a partnership. You know, the word talks about your helpmate. He's truly my helpmate through it all. Um, continues to guide me and encourage me. Encourages me. Um, gives me the energy I need. Um, when I have to do all these other things or when I'm also a doctoral student, I forgot to mention that. Um, so when I'm doing that, you know, writing a paper, reading these articles, he is my cheerleader. He is my supporter for that extra cup of coffee or, you know, now with a, um, a eight week old, he is the person who comes to get her um, when I have to do all these other things um, or, you know, while she's napping and things like that. So it is a partnership, it's a partnership that I know is, was always brewing. Um, you know, it took a lot to get to that point. Um, we just actually celebrated five years of marriage. So that is a blessing in itself. And I'm thankful for that, um, that I know that this partnership is growing. We're growing to know each other, growing in our careers, the endeavors that we have. And so that was, is what allows me to be where I am and to be who I am. And it really is important on who we allow in our circles, not just who we choose as a life partner, but really the, we have our inside our own walls circle where we're like, only certain people get to see all our crazy all the time. <laughs> but then there's those intimate circles and then there's those affiliate circles. Have I feel like you've been intentional about how, who gets to contribute to or drain your energy. Yes, that word right there, uh, intentional. If I'm not intentional, then my mind, everything schedule-wise is gonna be all over the place. Um, especially now with two kids, I have to seriously be intentional with my time, um, whether it's what I read, whether it's who I speak to or the things that I do. If it does not align with my mission or my goal of you know living life, uh, living a life of purpose, then how am I going to continue to be intentional with, you know, the organizations that I'm connected with, you know, um, I will say when I first got off the military, my biggest thing was, you know, what can I learn about the veteran space? How can I be a part of that change? And so, you know, being in grad school, taking on more responsibilities of, you know, leadership roles, I was the secretary at one point for our student group, and then that evolved into me becoming the president of our student group at the university that I graduated from, and then connecting with Student Veterans of America, so doing things on a national level, being able to go to their summits, their conferences, and then eventually being one of the um, 10 student veterans in the country um, that was nominated, that in itself was very intentional and still to this day, some of those folks that I talk to at SVA or some of my closest friends, you know, we may not talk every single day. You know, we're all adults, we have things going on, but we know that we still have that bond if there's something I need explained or something in the veteran space or whichever, but it allows me that, um, that flexibility to be intentional, that way of growing my knowledge, especially within it, because I'm still technically a student veteran as a doctoral student, yes. but also what is it that I need to learn and then looking at what, what am I doing on the local level of being intentional as well, the groups that I'm learning about, um, especially with the work that I do at a local university, thinking about families, what groups are intertwined with that. Because a lot of the things that I do all connect with each other and there's overlap. And that overlap allows me to learn, to make sure that what's connected, maybe this group here doesn't have this information, um, and I'm seeing a lot of that, especially with being on the governor's commission, um, is that there's so much information. There's so much yes. about voting, about um, the, the programs that they have for businesses um, and things like that. And you're just like, man, where, where would you get all this information? And there's like, well, that's why they have the commission. That is your job to <laughs> ensure that the constituents are getting this information in different groups that you're a part of. And that has right there alone has helped me to really be intentional and continue to learn. So talking about this intentionality, I heard a few things that can be really important for someone who's like, I don't even know where to start being more intentional. And for you, some of the things I heard was find a place that you want to learn more about and, and you can either volunteer or take a role. You sort of get involved in one lane and then you started to build out what other areas 
contribute to this direction that I'm, I'm being drawn to. And for you, you want to live on purpose. You want to make a difference. There are, there are common threads within each of these roles, whether politics or advocacy or program management, student um, affiliations. Outside of getting involved, asking good questions, knowing how much time you have to actually give instead of overextending yourself, what could someone else learn what could someone else implement to sort of get started with a more intentional style of living? I think the biggest thing would be first to make a list. There's some people who don't like to write things down, but it makes it a little bit more concrete. Make that list, put it right in front of your working space, whether that, you know, is just a random wall or even make a note section within your iPhone or, or you know, wh whatever device that you may have is making that list and you ask yourself, what is it that I want to do? How is it that I want to be perceived? What narrative do I want told? So I think asking yourself those questions in that, that reflection state really allows for your list to begin and then moving on to be intentional. So once you have that list going out and say, for example, if you're like, oh man, I really wanna learn about social work. So first, what is social work? Folks uh, confuse that with child welfare. And it is really not just that. It is an array of things from child welfare to program management, program development, but it also goes to legislation. We have some well-known um, social workers um, who have done pretty amazing things um, when it comes to the policies that have been in place, the maybe those who have served in cabinet roles, there are social workers who are local politicians. Um, and, and what that entails, really going into that avenue. And then if you know you're wanting to get that formal education, your bachelor's, master's, whichever, looking into the schools, what do they have going on? Do they have workshops or lectures opening that you can attend virtually or even um, I know at the University of Pittsburgh, the Center for Race and Social Problems is housed within the School of Social Work. So right there, that is an avenue that has open lectures slash workshops for folks to be able to understand, you know, what's going on about race in the schools or even thinking about the founder, founder um, Dr. Larry Davis, who um, I had the pleasure of working with and I went to Cuba on a study abroad with them and learned a lot from him. Um, he was the one who started that center and just kind of his legacy is living on because he recently passed away, um, I think about a year ago. So thinking about what does that look like as you learn about this you know, uh, area, even going to books, podcasts. These days, the information is right, literally right at your fingertips. It's just how are you gonna be intentional? Is it, you know, what, what is your time management gonna look like to actually push to you know, read those books, attend those things, and then if you have a family, how is it that you're setting up your time to say, hey, husband or whomever, this is what it is that I want to do. And I need to accomplish, in order for me to accomplish these things, I need you to do, do X, Y, Z. So I can make sure that, you know, if you're setting yourself up on a quarterly, like for this first quarter, I want to accomplish this and this, that, and thing. So setting those milestones, setting those SMART goals, and that really pushes you to be intentional, even if it's setting an alarm on your phone, <laughs> um, you start small. Were you always able to ask for help or is this a skill that you learned to do? I think I would say being a wife has taught me, taught me to ask for help. Um, before then, I was always saying, well, I'm an independent woman. I can do this on my own. I've done X, Y, Z. And then my husband taught me that help is a really good word, right? How does he help me to ensure that I have enough rest? Help me to ensure I have the right resources. Help me to ensure that, you know, I'm starting off my day in a positive manner. Um, we're starting our day together. Um, what, is, what does that look like? So help is really, it's my favorite word. Um, <laughs> I know for a fact, especially with our family, um, my in-laws, they have been the greatest help through um, grad school. They, you know, watched their kids a lot, the different things I had to go to, the networking. Um, and I think folks think that, you know, you go to school and then you get that formal training, that's it. And then it's not, it's just one piece of the puzzle. You have to network, you have to follow up, you have to do all these other things. And I feel um, one of uh, my past um, higher up leaders, um, in the last duty station I was in, I saw him network all the time. I heard him talk about it. And I was like, oh, I mean, I guess, you know, and that's one thing I will say the military doesn't necessarily 
formally teach you is networking because you're literally already placed at a place that has the people and you just are told to do the thing. You're given the job, the paycheck (laughs) comes, like there's no outside of the things that help you promote. There's no other people acceleration support needed. (laughs) Yeah, that, and and then once you are out of the military, you're like, all right, dang, I might need to, uh, might need to network. How is this networking thing? What do you do? Do you get business cards? What events do you attend? And that's where you have to be intentional too. If you attend this event, what does that have to do with your your bottom line, your foundation? How is that building upon to the next thing? That's, yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. Please, yes, listeners. <laughs> As someone who has been to more networking events than I ever, ever want to do again. <laughs> my heart breaks for the folks who go to networking events to say they went to a networking event in hopes that their their goal will be achieved their business will explode that the world will change because they showed up and they handed their card out they gave their 30 second elevator speech and i can't you just i mean you hit it the nail on the head go there to the ones that align with your purpose, know why you're there, be intentional about your connections, already have what it is that you'd like to achieve, whether it's that quarter, that year, that decade, that narrative that's moving forward, like be intentional. Don't just show up to places to show up to places and take pictures and post it on your LinkedIn. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that was probably I would say when I was um when I got off the military LinkedIn was like the best tool ever um I didn't really know what I was doing I just was like well you know when we were getting out um a part of the checklist was you had to create a LinkedIn so you showed you created it but no one really taught you how to use it and so I was like well if this is supposed to be like social media but a professional um avenue how can I make sure that I am putting my best foot forward and continue to control the narrative of, you know, who I am. Cause you know, first, when you say you're a veteran, people think all kinds of things, you know, like, well, this is what we're about to do. And, and this is who I am. And so whenever I went to a conference, a workshop, so this is like early, this is late 2018, early 2019, I'm posting those things. I'm sharing them. I'm going to events. I started off, I wish I had, like, when people take a picture of then and now, I wish I had taken a picture of how many followers I had. I had, like, probably, like, not even 10 or 15, and since then to now, I'm over 500, I think it's, like, 1,507 people from the different events and places I've been. I've been speaking on virtual platforms um, when they have their different meetings um, and things like that, and so people have found me. I've gotten requests for you know language um uh, services because I also speak Haitian Creole my family's from Haiti so then I've also had folks you know hey I have this podcast that talks about x can you come and do this or you know even for different services um for the organization um business I have so it's like you you have to really put your best foot forward you have to learn how do you how do you want to be remembered how do you want to continue to tell people because even with um the course that I teach at Point Park. So I teach undergrad students um, the first year and I tell them, you know, you, you actually use LinkedIn more. And it was like, oh, I'm tired of social media, another app. And I'm just like, well, this is the, the world that we live in. You know, um, you may meet someone on LinkedIn first before you actually get to the interview, before you actually, you never even know. And I've had people, you know, I met them on LinkedIn, probably never met like in person, but they're like, yeah, I've had this opportunity. I thought about the community or the people you serve, blah, blah, blah. Can you share this? And you continue that networking, continue that connection. And next thing you know, at least it's something else. It was like, well, I saw this role and I was thinking that it might be good for you or just, you know, different opportunities that you can share with other folks. And and that's what I continue to tell them. Like, you need to use this. How will anyone know what you're doing if you don't tell them about it? And it's not bragging. No, definitely not. (laughs) And I think people confuse it with that. It's not bragging. It's you're telling about what you're doing and you want to share that information. You know, folks do it for work. You can do it for your school, whether it's an internship you have um, or, you know, something that you're leading, you know, 
And it's like your online resume. So because we know folks are check Googling whoever's name when they might see a candidate come through or whichever. And they look at LinkedIn, it's like, oh man, they're doing this. Okay. So you have the list of whatever job you're sourcing, you're saying the you need somebody time management, you need somebody this. Oh, they've led a workshop on this, or they they're good with this and leadership oh, skills. Yeah. And that alone, I think, will be something that makes you stand out versus, you know, not having a digital footprint these days is kind of rough. <laughs> It really is because if we, we hone back into this idea of efficiency, like looking at it from a social worker with a program management lens, with an advocacy sort of drive, and, and we think about like, how does this apply to the person listening? Realistically, the first thing someone's going to say is who's in your sphere? Who's in your circle? Who, who are the people that you hang around with, the places you go and the things that you do? And by that alone, someone can sort of get the understanding of what type of pace you're setting of intentionality for that narrative you're building. What is going on with your life? If you say, you know what? I go to work. It sucks. I show up, I watch Netflix at night, maybe go out with some friends and then I do it all over again. And that's what I did all year. That's a very different connection with someone than meeting someone say, you know what? I'm working on this. I have these couple of projects. My family and I have these really fun things planned. We've grown from last year. This has evolved here. I had this opportunity. I was awarded this. It's not bragging, it's finding those overlapping personality types that are complementing your skills and, and moving the bar forward in this world. Because if we're all sitting around watching Netflix, getting slower, <laughs> we're really not, we're letting gravity pull our, our entire culture down. So you have to look for these folks and LinkedIn is one of those tools. Networking events is one of those tools and not everybody is for everybody. Mm -hmm. But when you find them, you recognize, oh, hey, you get it. When I don't talk to you for six months, but I'm cheering you on in the background when your stuff's coming out and I'm sharing your stuff out, that can matter because you know they're on the same sort of pace and it, you're just comfortable in your own path. You don't have to take offense. You don't have to compare. You don't have to try to be somebody else. You're just rolling in your own path and linking arms with people who complement that. Yeah, that that's true because when I talk to other people and I ask, you know, how how are things going? I think the the thing of, that's different with me is I want to know how the person is before we get into what projects you're working on, you know, what's going on with XYZ, you know, what's what's going on with you. And I think with the work that um, I also do on the West End, when we have folks come to our food bank at our organization is, I ask you, how, how is it going? What's going on? When we first started the food bank in the West End with the church, um, like right when the pandemic happened, I would say midway, um, about a month or two after, was we were asking people how they were doing. People would come back. People would say, you know, I wish this was here before for this XYZ. I know there was a woman that came all the time. And also another thing that with the food bank is I don't expect people to be there for years on end because then it's essentially like I'm a crutch, but at the same time, I understand, you know, things happen. You might be on your feet and then you come back or, you know, whichever, especially with how inflation, things are going up. And so I say all that to say is we've had people who would come for two, three months on end, and then they would come back with great news. I have this thing going on. And you're like, oh man, what else going on? Where'd you get the job? And, you know, just having a conversation. And I think that part is what makes us different. We want to get to know you. We want to talk about what new thing that, you know, you got blessed with, because essentially this is now your sunshine out of, you know, the storm. And, you know, right now, a lot of people could use encouragement. And I think that's one thing that we want to always push. We want to encourage people. We want to make sure that it's not just we're feeding your, your physical, but we're feeding your soul. I love that because you'll appreciate this. When I, when I was a young 18 year old ready to take on the world and I got to my first duty station, I would be like, good morning, good morning. Cause you had to greet everybody. That was just protocol. So I was enthusiastic about it and they would respond, how you doing? With the head nod. 
So I thought they were asking me how I was doing, but they kept walking. And I was like, but, and I would start to talk and they would just keep walking. And I realized it was a greeting that nobody cares how you're doing. (laughs) So when someone says, I've really put it into practice similar to you where, hey, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. No, really. How are you doing? And I was even asking you before, like, are you sleeping? Where's your sanity? (laughs) What's going on? But that changes things. And if you're pouring into the community, if you're pouring into other decision makers, if you're pouring into students, if you're pouring into your family, if you're pouring into these organizations you work with, with the Annette Nance Agency, they're going to notice that difference that you don't just want to amp processes. You don't want to produce leaders, but you want them to not only make an impact, but feel the impact of that relationship. And that's, and that's the, that's the biggest thing is, is impact. All right. I, I can't remember if it was from a podcast or something, but they talked about, I'd rather be impactful than be an influencer and influence certain things. And I was like, what? I was like, okay, I can, you know, you want to make, like, let me chew on that for a second. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like you want to, you want to have that impact because when you think about what's going on in the world now, how are you impacting folks? How are you, you have to take a different approach, you know, with everybody doesn't always have a a lot of time or everyone is is going through things. Like when you're working from home, like for me, I'm working from home. So I'm on this different schedule. I have a eight week old that I'm nursing. Then I have a four-year-old who wants all of the attention. Um, And, you know, we have all these, these different endeavors we're doing. And it's like, how do I make sure that I'm intentional, that I'm opening my time, that I'm uh, not uh, all over the place. Like I am, when it comes to meetings or things like that for, I have an agenda send out. We're going to stick to the time that we have, um, giving myself a little buffer because I realize I have to structure out my time now. I know people will, I think it's the saying that's talked about, we all have the same 24 hours. And I think it really depends on how you look at it. It's like, if you, yes, we all have the same 24 hours, but if no one has ever taught you how to structure it, then is it really the same? Yes. Yeah. So When you look at your hours, if you were to teach someone to be, to structure their 24 hours a little bit better, I know one of the things I learned first, I had to grow in self-awareness of where my struggle was. I, I couldn't figure out why the pieces wouldn't connect. And what I realized was I'm a binge worker. All of my clients go on one day. All of my admin goes on another day. Like I had to keep categories for my brain. Because the minute I switched, it would get all jumbled and my ADD would just scatter and all Mm -hmm. the pieces would run away from me and I would have no productivity whatsoever. (laughs) So I had to structure it in a way where today's podcast day, I will record my podcast today and I will do all the talking. (laughs) And tomorrow I will rejuvenate my introvert self and have no humans. (laughs) But that took work. So when you think about using the 24 hour period and, and helping someone learn to structure it. What did you learn? What did you have to walk through? I had to, I think the first thing I would say that it it comes to mind is um, no is a complete sentence saying no to um, things that don't align with me saying no to things that are not really growing or have any kind of fruit. If it doesn't bear fruit, it's not coming my way. And also from then on learning what it is that I need to do, right? Like what tools do I need to use? Is it my Google calendar? Um, if, you know, for one of um, the, the work I do at a local university, I use a Calendly. Um, that's making sure that I block out certain times, especially now block out times to nurse, block out time to um, make sure that I'm being also present with my family. Um, just because I'm working from home does not make I work 24 seven. Um, and also just because I do these different roles, does not mean I do not take time for just myself as well. Because if I don't rejuvenate, if I don't take that time, then I'm not going to be a good wife, a good mom, and be really present um, for the things that we need to take care of. Um, and I and I also want to make sure, like I like I keep saying, the narrative, the memories that you know, whether it's my clients, whether it's the people I work with, whether it's my uh, family, 
I want those memories to be as vivid, as colorful, and as, as bright as they can be. And that means I need to make sure my time is structured. I need to have a notebook for this thing. I need to make sure I have time to review. So reviewing whatever notes I have, because if I just come into a meeting or, or anything of a client and, and, and there's <laughs> nothing reviewed, then next thing you know, we're on the call a little bit longer um, where we're, we're doing something and it's all out of place. So that's one thing I always try to make sure with any, um, the logo, the work I do, any of the new trainings, new employees is, time management, that's going to be your biggest foundation, because not everybody knows about that, or even um, there's a, a effect I learned about in grad school, the Pomodoro, um, Pomodoro, I believe means like tomato, and it goes back to this um, gentleman who used a tomato shaped clock, um, which helps you do work for 15 minutes, and then you take a break for five, and then you can increase it by five, and then you do different rounds of that, so it essentially allows you to do more work, but also just taking breaks from it, walking away, just so you can refresh. It's just like when people take a vacation, you know, only it's like a five minute vacation from your work, <laughs> five or 10 minutes. And you can accomplish a little bit more than if you just, you know, straight do three, four hours and you're like, oh, my brain, I'm tired. So really learning about those different time management techniques of how you can outline your work or, you know, continue to outline your time. Um, so I think that's been the biggest thing for me is, you know, like I go back, realizing time is money in a way, not necessarily saying like, you know, I'm getting paid for every single portion, but I am paying for it in some kind of way. Yeah, there's an expense when we misuse our time. And, and that really does add up in ways that sometimes it pops out where we don't want it to, whether it's health effects, family deterioration, missed promotions by misuse of our time and energy. And so just what you said, it's really important. What would you say to the listener who is like, Annette, I just, I'm not really good with no. And I feel bad if I'm not like constantly working all the time and they're, they're being driven by either guilt or fear. How would you speak into their life? The first thing I would say that someone said to me um, when I was in the military was, you take this uniform off, what will you have for your family in the end? And I was like, what do you mean by that? And you know, I was in the Marine Corps for eight years and I was like, all right, I'm in this uniform, I'm gonna continue to do, I'm gonna do all the things. And now I realize it's like, I could have done this, I could have, I could have done this, I should have done that. And so I also want to think of not the end of like, you know, my, my uh, anything, but of thinking of when I'm older, what am I going to look back and say, this was great. How did I take care of myself? How did I take care of my family? So do that forward reflection thinking, but also thinking about in the moment, how do I feel, you know, thinking, gathering my feelings, um, one thing I would say that is a really, really great reflection exercise is to write yourself a letter. Tell yourself what it is you're going through right now, what you'd like to accomplish, what do you love the most, right? Like all your feelings in this letter, seal that letter up, put it in a safe spot, put a reminder in your phone where the letter is, open it up in a year. When you read that letter, you're, it's really going to be a good reflection exercise that is going to help you to think about like, this is where I was and look at where I am now and what I'm going to continue to do. And those reflection exercises are small, but it will help you build onto the next thing. So you're not like, oh man, I gotta, um, I gotta, you know, tackle this big thing now. And it's not really like that. Um, Cause uh, one friend told me that you can't boil the ocean because it's so large, you can't, you can't boil the ocean, you can't try to fight the waves. You have to learn how to do these things piece by piece. And then in the end, you'll see the bigger picture. I just, <laughs> with that statement, I'm like, I do really get mad when I have to boil a large pot of water for something. Like, <laughs> how mad do you feel when you're trying to like tackle this whole thing Instead of getting a little bit boiling, adding some more, getting that boiling, add some more and, and really taking it piece by piece. It can be, it can be overwhelming. 
and yeah. no is a complete sentence need that on the shirt somewhere <laughs> <laughs> um there is a mental health t-shirt company um this woman jessica who's a social worker i believe yes, um, yes she is an alumni from the university of pittsburgh yes mm -hmm. and and i think that uh that would be a great <laughs> a great plug for her be like hey we're talking about you on the podcast get your shirt ready <laughs> we will wear a shirt that says no period <laughs> yeah that that's definitely out shoot i'd buy a bag <laughs> i'd probably make a sign because some people try to you know put these different things on top of your plate if you said no before and it's just like what we were looking at you know with the great resignation people are saying no and work is restructuring and people are transforming into different roles different industries because no is being used a lot more now than it probably was 10 15 years ago and it's being used in such a way that my concern is there are some amazing assertive intentional no's being used mm -hmm. but there's also the no's because they just can't they've hit their limit they've hit their all the boundaries have been crossed they're emotionally exhausted they're mentally exhausted that physical drain is being felt and no is all they can eke out like just <laughs> no can't sorry bye and so there is that balance of finding your intentional no, that this is what I know about myself. This is what I know about my future. This is what I know about our mutual alignment. And, and is this producing fruit as you, as you said it, where you have the habits in place, you have the boundaries that put people where they need to be, but you also have the willingness to welcome people in and collaborate in such a way. What type of organizations, when you serve in building efficiency for an organization, developing their programs, helping them be more impactful rather than just a really loud influencer, what type of organizations do you like to work with? The organizations that are people-centered they have people uh real people who have either used the program real people who are um going to tell you what it is what it actually is um i think some of my favorite nonprofits, i would say are very youth driven youth development um that i you know i'm watching their work because i think about what is our future going to be like if we don't invest in our young people yeah. What is our future going to be like if we don't continue to guide, you know, give that guidance? Um, I think there's like a, a meme or something, be the person that you wish you had or something like that. Um, and just thinking about the work that I want to do for my like doctoral dissertation in the future, I'm looking at first generation um, students and their post-secondary um, options and thinking about like how have their family kind of influenced that. And with the work that I do, you think about, you know, how does your family influence what you want to do in the future? What services were there for them to even learn? Because if they never went to college or, or, you know, maybe they went, but they didn't complete. And that's the biggest thing in, in certain communities is what resources are in place for that. And so when I look at these different youth or youth development type of nonprofits like Gwen's Girls or um, Neighborhood Learning Alliance or um, the stuff that uh, One Hood is doing with, um, I think the black student unions, giving students this platform, not giving them a voice, but they have the voice, it's the resources. So thinking of the asset-based community development model, which pretty much just the resources are there. How can we make sure the assets in this community or in this area are being strengthened or continue to be elevated? Because we want, I think we, we start to, start to try not to say we're giving people a voice because they already had it before they met you is that they may not necessarily have all the right resources to catapult them into yes. like a certain arena. I think that's so important where we have been equipped with plenty of tools. Our creator has, our creator is the most creative. <laughs> and so we have so many tools at our disposal like our way of problem solving, our voice that we use, the impact we make when we serve with our hands and our feet and we actually make progress forward. 
but it still requires a level of community and awareness to say, what can we do with these things? Because <laughs> let's be real, there's people who bang on pots and pans and create a whole big ruckus, but nothing's happening. And then there's those who are out there, two and three people at a time, having these chats, having these differences and creating a different feel and that that matters. So that's that's beautiful to think about pouring into the youth in in such an intentional way. What is oh, I heard I was listening to a podcast the other day for the goodness life of me. I can't think of who it was, but it was an interview. I, I was podcast scrolling. That's why I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> and and it was an interview with a very young social worker and she's basically known for being young and having the voice of this this generation in the social work space and in the in an influencer type of way and and what she had said is i don't want to go against the stereotypes that are held towards our young people the people who are coming up but i'm also very aware that even though we are doing things differently and we are shaping our culture differently, we have a lot to learn. And so many of us won't be vulnerable enough to say, teach me, show me, help me polish this, help me curb this, help, help me direct all of this beauty in terms of gifting energy resources that is our voice into a place where it's actually going to make an impact. So she was very upfront saying, oh yeah, stereotypes are not completely wrong. I wanna own the fact that we're different, but help us. And that's exactly what it sounds like you're doing is using those organizations to be the most efficient, the most impactful, working with intention and, and targeting the areas that can really be changed. You know, that the the impact, the just help, right? We come back to help. I think when we look at the current industry, um, I can speak for myself in certain places that I've been, there have been those um, employees or, or folks I've worked with who've been older than me in the field. And, you know, they do the whole, you know, you're, you have all this energy now, you're, you're young and you're happy and you're trying to, you know, you're being go lucky. You're like, I can save the world. And you're like, maybe I can't save the, like the whole world, but I can be the light in the world because it, in, the word instructs us to be the light. So as you're being the light, that also means you asking for help. That means, you know, other folks in these leadership roles need to learn how to ask for help as well. Um, because when you don't, your organization continues to possibly fail. Um, and you, you know, you have to take your, you have to set your pride aside. Um, I think that pandemic has made a lot of folks in a certain generation or just, you know, whichever of their skills, you have to learn to ask for help. Um, you have to learn to make room um, because we know, especially in this region, um, in the Pittsburgh region, there has been a lot of professionals who are possibly leaving because the opportunities are not as uh, big as maybe these other major cities. The opportunities are not reflecting those, um, you know, black, brown folks and the work that they're trying to do and they're trying to lead, but they're stuck in these sometimes barely mid, mid-level uh, positions when they could be in senior level roles, yeah. you know? And it is that for them is like, you know, I'm trying to be intentional and to grow, but now I'm continuing to grow and now, you feel, you know, I think I used to hear people say that I don't want to be, um, they don't want to work forever, that they, that someone should outwork them in the role that they're in. But then when it gets to that point, it doesn't happen because then they don't want to be outworked. And maybe that thing has happened. You're like, hold on, I need to put you in this box until I'm ready to retire or until I'm ready to do the thing. <laughs> and that's when people leave. <laughs> yeah, that brings up a really good question we can ask ourselves is, maybe we are doing all the things, but what are some of the structures that, that are in place around us, whether it be our community, our geography, our way of approaching work? How long did it take us to say, hey, virtual is an option for all these jobs, and it was never an option until it had to be. <laughs> yeah. And so, so really just 
yes, be an ownership of what you're in charge of, your time, energy, and resources. Be a good steward of what it is your calling is. But don't be afraid to look around at the box you're standing in and start breaking down walls for a second. Yeah, that, and you have to be, a, I don't want to say a rebel with a cause. Um, some folks may think it's you rebelling, but it's really, um, there's the Dean of School of Education at Pitt, um, Valerie Kinlock, there's this mission statement um, there's a part that says instigating change. Um, and then I've also heard other folks say disrupting systems. If we do not disrupt systems, if we do not instigate change and continue to push on those walls, continue to, you know, say I'm here and I'm going to do these things because I'm meant to do them. Um, you know, obviously respectfully, you're not just like busting through somebody's door and be like, I'm about to do this job and X, Y, Z. But these are the things that are just going to help any organization, um, because you cannot ignore the things that are going out, the th the, ha the events, the, the social issues, when we think of corporate social responsibility, how are we holding these organizations accountable to, you know, all the other issues around? How are you, how are you holding yourself accountable as well in the professional space and outside of that? Um, accountability is like one of the biggest things, because when we go back to our time management, our skills, are you holding yourself accountable to not doing the things you said you were going to do? You know, I like it. I <laughs> don't bust the door down, but definitely own that call. Do you see any events or goals or projects in your future you're particularly looking forward to do? Uh, I will say event wise, probably because it's like fresh on my mind from the governor's commission. We had a quarterly meeting the other day. Um, they're looking to plan a Juneteenth event and we've seen how things have recently um, kind of increased in awareness with folks when it comes to Juneteenth. And I really look forward to what that event will look like um, in person and the things and protocols that'll be in place. So I'm excited for that. Um, also thinking about the work that is being done in the local Pittsburgh region, the different conferences coming about, um, the work that organizations like Healthy Start are doing for moms. Um, as, a mom, as a mom myself, second time mom, and thinking about the, the work that they do with a lot of infant type information. Um, and, and just in particular, um, a current project um, I'm looking at is you know, what does it look like for organizations to really help the people they work with, right? Like, what does it look, what does that help look like? What does the internal work look like? Um, and just continue to do work in, in my PhD program, um, that community engagement aspect of it all. Um, hopefully, you know, God willing, maybe I'll be presenting at some conferences talking about first generation um, students and, and their work. Um, and what that looks like with the community engagement side, um, because there's it's not as many resources as people think. Uh, there's folks that are still like, okay, I am, this is my first time going to, for me, first time going to grad school. No one in my immediate family had went and got a, a, a bachelor's or now even a PhD. So I'm like, there are things that I'm still learning as, you know, a, uh, this would be my, my fourth, whichever degree, there's things I'm still learning. Yeah. You know, how am I going to continue to be intentional about that learning as well. So being a community engager, someone who is open to educated input, folks who are just resonating with your cause, with your purpose, with your background, how can they get in contact with you? Uh, there's a number of ways these days with all the, <laughs> the social media. First, I would say my website, so AnnetteNance.com. Um, email info, so I-N-F-O at AnnetteNance.com um, or a secondary email, AnnetteNance at gmail.com. Um, or you can find me on uh, social media. So um, AnnetteNance, I have a page on Facebook. Um, and then also my Instagram is Mrs. Nance um, underscore. You can find me there. Um, and I'm always sharing, always open to speaking with folks and, you know, always uh, offering up my services for nonprofit consulting, diversity and inclusion, career coaching, you know, leadership development, things of that nature. Um, you know, let's, let's get a call um, and we can go from there. I love that. Thank you so much for being so open and so ready to serve, knowing that 
this is the call that God has given you. And he's provided you a team that stands behind you, both miniature and partnership. <laughs> and it's, it's exciting to, to be in this place where you're stepping forward, showing them that uncharted territory is not scary. Asking for help is not a four letter word. And that really you can go out and be the light in, in these spaces and it can go so much further than your hands can reach. So thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for the opportunity to uh, speak of the different things. And I think this in itself allows me for a reflection of like, oh man, I have done those things. I did do that. What else didn't I talk about that I did? And it just brings me back to, you know, I really truly want to live a life of purpose on purpose. Listeners, you've heard it here first. There is an opportunity to reflect at any given time. It's not too late. And starting now, there are things that you can do. And so if you weren't taking notes, if you weren't reflecting on your own, take a minute to say, where am I at right now? How am I feeling about this? And what would I like to feel differently? And don't hesitate to reach out to Annette or myself. I'll put her information in the show notes for ease of access in case you drive and listen to podcasts like me. <laughs> I don't want you being unsafe, but I do want you stepping forward in your purpose. And so thank you for listening to the Crystal Conversations podcast with Annette Nance and all the amazing things God has her setting forth to do to make an impact, not only in this community, but on the global market. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Annette. Have an amazing day. Hi there. Welcome to the Crystal Conversations podcast. My name is Crystal McFadden, and I am welcoming you to this place where conversations of growth and resiliency, faith and falling meet your day-to-day -day challenges with authentic stories of the struggle each equipping and encouraging you to own the value of your journey. Thank you for joining this Crystal Conversation.